0: I sort of enjoy these standalone weekends. We had last weekend with Foth, which was fantastic, and kind of that Thanksgiving idea, and then we have this weekend, which is we're not in a series, and then we start a Christmas series next week. So I was really prayerful um, about what what am I going to do this particular weekend, and I really feel like I was taken to this passage in John chapter 11 about, of all things, Lazarus. How many of you have heard of Lazarus? He's the guy, say it with me, who was dead and, and came alive. Yeah, he was dead and came alive. Not very many people can say that happened to them, right? And so I want to talk about life and I want to, I want to, the power of life. I, I want to ask you a, a question and it's going to sound silly when I say it, but I want you to really think about it. And it's this, do you like being alive? Sure, I guess so, I guess so. I mean, I I think there's a difference between breathing and you're alive technically, but do you really, do you like being alive, like really alive? Have you thought about it lately, that you're not just breathing, but Jesus makes the statement, he says, I came to give you life and life Abundantly. So there's got to be something about this idea of, of life and death to life with Lazarus is a really big deal. Is there a difference between just being breathing alive and being alive and free and freedom to be who God is calling me to be? And am I living that out? Am I having the, the passion? I'm not talking about everything perfect in a perfect world. I'm talking about. Truly experiencing life the way God wanted me to have it. So I'm going to talk about that. And let's jump right in. If you have a program, go to the back. A few things. And I'm going to go quickly. Number one, we will always have a need as long as we're alive. You, you might have a lot going for you. But I'm telling you, if you're breathing and you're alive, whether you're loving it or not, you have a need. It might be as simple as needing a drink of water. But every person on the planet has a need. If we were to just take the time to walk through this room and say, do you know of someone with a need or do you have a need? We all could think of someone or someone somewhere who has a need in their life. In John 11, there was a big need. Lazarus was sick. Look at this. Verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary And Martha, recognize those names? Pretty famous women in in the Bible. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. She got criticized for that. Her brother Lazarus was sick. And so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, and I love how they framed this, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. They didn't say, my my brother, our brother is sick. They said, your best buddy is sick. That's really what they're saying. They had needs all around them. Now here's the thing. They knew that Jesus was God. They believed that. They had already proclaimed that. They had already seen Jesus do miracles. So he's got the medicine that can heal Lazarus in his pocket. Can I say it like that? And, you know, if you, are, if you have a need, how many of you go to someone who can help you with that need? That's pretty, that makes sense. So they go to Jesus. You've got what it takes. Your friend has a need. They take it to him. I like the fact that we have a God who wants us to bring our needs to him. Don't forget that in this story. Number two, God has a plan that we do not always see. This story starts to get complicated because the response of Jesus was not what Mary and Martha wanted it to be. Has that ever happened to you? (laughs) It's happened to me. Let's go. Let's look at this, verse 4. When Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness is not, will not end in death. No. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory for this. Right now, they have no idea what he's talking about. He's he's on another planet. He's talking about a spiritual dimension that they are not in. So just keep that in mind. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Whoa, 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 this is not what's supposed to happen. You've got the medicine, Lazarus is sick, he could die, why don't you come now? No, I have another plan. It's almost mean. But I love the fact that it says in there that even though he loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, there might be someone under the sound of my voice right now that says God is not Very loving. God is not showing the love the way that I need to be loved. And you may be right. He's not showing it the way you need to be loved. But make no mistake. God loves you. He loves you. Embrace that and know that. Even though it might be confusing with the way God is responding. I I know that it's difficult because sometimes god doesn't do like my list i know that's shocking how many of you are list people like you kind of okay I'm, I'm i'm like half and half like my wife bonnie is like major and and i'm kind of like yeah but for some things i make lists like when it comes especially like to timberland like we come to this time of year with christmas christmas eve i love this time of year love it and then going into next year I've, I've written out all my 2019 goals for Timberline Church. I've, I'm taking the th- first three weeks of January to lay that out for you. And I'm just excited about the vision piece and where we're going as a church. And so I make this whole list up. I pray over it. I believe God's inspiring for it. And then I, like, lay it out to God. And I say, okay, God, now I'm going to do this and this and this. These are the sermons that I feel like you're calling me. Now, this is what you are going to do. <laughs> so put this on your refrigerator And get it done, because I'm counting on you, right? And I think God just smiles. (laughs) He probably looks at the angels and says, must be Northrop again. (laughs) That's what I feel sometimes. This is happening in this story. It's not what they wanted. Number three, Jesus shows emotion. Jesus shows this emotion that you can see emotion in the life of Jesus in the New Testament. So it's not uncommon. You see him tired. You see him weary. You see him weep. You see him angry. He he has emotion with him. But this story is a powerful moment of seeing his emotion. Now earlier in the text, in verse 32, not on your screen yet, so just listen to what happened. When, When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, now what has happened is Lazarus died. You think there's some disappointment so far? Okay, Mary and Martha, Jesus, you've got the medicine. We know you can heal him. You just chose not to show up. So she fell at the feet of Jesus, but this is what she said. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Does that seem angry or frustrated? It does. I know it depends on tone, right? How many of you are married and you understand that? <laughs> it depends on tone. But I think she's pretty frustrated because she knows he could have made a difference. In her mind, this is over. Jesus is not thinking the way she's thinking. Now we pick it up at verse 33. Look at this. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing, which is a deep emotional uh, weeping, with her, a deep Anger, that word could also be translated anguish, despair. It wasn't anger like I want to kick something. It's this, oh, I hate that this is happening. I hate this sorrow. Where have you put him, he asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. If you're trying to memorize scripture, that's a good one, okay, just so you know. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still very angry. As he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. (laughs) What? (laughs) So Now, this is sort of getting scary. I don't know if you're there. I mean, put yourself in the story, honestly. This is a big moment because they've all buried him. There was a way that they treated dead bodies in those uh, days with certain ointments, certain wrapping of cloth in a certain way to show respect for the body, and they've already done that. They've put him away. They've rolled the stone in front of the tomb, and it's over. And here we have Jesus showing up and saying, take take the stone away and he's weeping and he's he's got this emotion coming out of him number 4 in your outline god may not listen to our logic some of you've learned that haven't you some of you are really gifted we have some amazing leaders at timberline church i mean textbook writers we have people who, who make things and who, who are, they have this logical ability to walk through problems and processes, and, and even your mind, the greatest minds in the world cannot keep up. So Martha is one of those people who is going to protest this moving the stone, and it makes sense. It says, but Martha, the dead man's sister, remember she's the one who always spoke up She was the one in the story when Mary and Martha are in the house, and Mary's, you know, serving Jesus and and worshiping him, and Martha's in the kitchen doing getting all the food, and she finally stomps in and says, Am I the only one working here? (laughs) So Martha comes out protesting, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And she's right. And here's why I love Martha. I, I believe this with all of my heart. She's trying to show respect for her brother. She doesn't want to open this tomb and have the stench of death come out. They've, they've anointed his body. It's been beautiful, and they've said goodbye, and it's over. Let's leave it alone. Why are you messing? Do you need to go see the dead body, really? You should have been here when we did it. How many of you just talk to the Lord like that sometimes, you know? If you had that in mind, you should have told me. You should have done this. I don't like it. This is not what I planned. One thing I've learned about God is that the story is never over. It's never over. You say, well, yeah, I have some stories where it's over. No, it's not. It has shaped your life. My dad died. This is ironic because I was just talking about it with my wife yesterday. He died on December 1st, years ago when I was 14 years old. But his story lives on. Yeah, his body's gone, but his legacy lives on. He, he lives on through Timberline because I'm his son. You know what I'm saying? So there's never an ending like that's over, and God knows that, and we don't. And so we better pay attention to this. It's never over. Number five, the dead can live again. And this is where the story is a little bit spooky and creepy, But it's real. This really happened. The dead can live again. Now, in verse 40, it says Jesus responded, and he's responding to Martha, who's saying, don't do that. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that... They will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted. You don't see that in scripture very often. Lazarus, come forth. If I'm there, I'm creeping right now. I'm like, I think I'll be looking inside the tomb going, please don't come out. <laughs> I mean, How many of you are with me on this? This is, a, this is kind of a creepy th- moment. And they're all, imagine the sisters looking there. And then verse 44, it says, And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth, and Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. Wow. We have a story of what appeared to be a dead man who came out of the grave here at Timberline. Vance had not truly physically died but it appeared that he would nine news did a story on the Laforte family Vance and his wife Kelly their son Jonah their daughter Tavia take a look you know Vance, I think it would be great just to hear from you, your perspective going through this, facing death. Um, w- what do you want to say to folks like this?
1: You know, we all have different stories. We, you may be suffering from abuse or disease or loss of a loved one or addiction. I mean, all these are real, and they're, and they're painful, and they hurt. But the good news is, is that we serve an amazing God. And he is capable and able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. Three times that week when I was in the hospital, they told Kelly that uh, I probably wasn't going to make it through the day. And we had people praying, people in this room, people from California, Carolina, from Michigan to Arizona. I mean, we had people all across the country praying for us. And I'm here today because of those prayers. I'm an answer to prayer, a living testament to God's glory and mercy. And... And if you're suffering, I just I just ask that you focus on Christ. Just keep a keep a laser locked down, cover zero, focus on Christ. Because He is He is trustworthy. He is answers prayers and He
0: loves you. Yeah, He does. Kelly, as a caregiver and going through this with your husband and your family, what would you say to maybe other caregivers in the room that have gone through something like this? I would say believe in the power of prayer. Believe in the power of God and take it one day at a time. God's mercies are new every day. Give yourself permission to be human. You don't have to be strong all the time because it's hard and it's heartbreaking, and it's challenging, but I have found that any strength I have comes from knowing I'm not in and alone. God is with me, and he's with Vance, he's with our kids, and he's with you, no matter what it is you're going through. And he is bigger than the circumstances. You know, Tavia, um, Jonah, just as... Kids, watching your dad go through this and your mom and as a family, we as a church want to say thank you for your faith in God, for standing firm with your family. It's a beautiful picture that you wanted to be up here with them and you were willing to give a weekend to say, no, we're, we're hanging with mom and dad this weekend. We love you. We're proud of your whole family. We're going to keep praying for you guys. Let's express our appreciation to the LaForge family. Wow, Wow. well, I I have three questions that I want to end with, and then I'm going to ask Vance to come back up at the end and pray over some of you who are sick who are facing obstacles and issues in your life. I believe there's a mantle on him right now to pray in faith over many of you who need that prayer. And we're asking God for healing, for miracles this weekend at Timberline. We've already seen some in previous services. So let your faith grow. But I have a a few questions just to end with that I want to put out there for you to consider in light of the fact that we're a church. We call this our living room. We're family. The first question is this does God really care about us you know it seems like a no-brainer answer yes he does but let me tell you when you're facing what they have faced and you're being told they're not coming home they're gonna die some of you have faced death God didn't show up like he did with them and they did die I just talked to a gentleman this morning last service his wife did pass away and he's, he's struggling why didn't God heal her I don't know but I, I know this God cares about you there's a theology bent that said that says and will tell you God's kind of busy he's not involved in the everyday that he's he's God and someday we'll be with him but there are too many scriptures that tell me otherwise like he knew you in your womb like he knows he catches every tear like your emotional stability your life your your sorrows the depth of your pain like That's what this Bible proclaims, and so he does care. The second question has left me a little bit in a quandary. I would love to get any of your emails or thoughts on this, and I mean it sincerely. It's this, can I be resurrected and yet bound? Can I be resurrected and yet bound? In the story of Lazarus, follow me here. Jesus says, Come forth, and Lazarus comes alive from being dead, and he comes out of that tomb, but he is not free. He has been resurrected, he is alive, but he is bound. And I started thinking about what that might mean in terms of a church like this. And is it possible that there are people who have accepted by faith that Jesus is their Lord, but they still live? In the bondage of something that happened to them as a child abuse, molestation, rape, neglect, rejection. It goes on and on and on. And they are free in God. They've been resurrected. They have the life, the fullness of God, but they are bound. Just think about it. Because the third thing is this Did Lazarus need others in order to be free? If you look at the story, when Lazarus came out, he was bound, he was walking like a mummy. I mean, think about this. Yes, it was wonderful that he was alive, but Jesus said, he didn't go over and start taking off the grave clothes. He said to the crowd, you guys go set him free. King James, I think, says, loose him. Loose him. What is that a picture of? It's a picture of family. It's a picture of Jesus bringing resurrection and death to life. But it's also a picture of others getting their hands on him and starting to peel away the grave clothes. And he's bound. And suddenly his brothers and his sisters and his family, I believe they were weeping. I believe they couldn't believe it. They're taking off the face cloth. They're refreeing his arms and Lazarus begins to move. This is a picture of what it means for us to trust God to do what God can do. But what is the church going to do? You guys, that's why we care about orphans. That's why we care about the poor and widows. That's why we give and and adopt families at Christmas. It's why we are a church that says we're going to take care of the family. Why? Because that's what God's kids loose him. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to have any of you stand that need to stand unashamedly. You might be sick with a disease. You might be bound from a childhood memory, a problem, an issue, an addiction, a habit. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to ask you to let Vance pray over you for healing healing whether it's physical or emotional. Vance, would you mind just coming back up here, please? And this guy, I mean, he's not saying it, but this is a big effort for him to be here, all three of these services. And I really appreciate you, Vance. I know you're a strong guy, but this is a lot. And he said, no, I would do that. I would like to do that. So if you're sick or you need help, or you need healing, or you need the grave clothes taken off of you, would you just stand, please, right now? South Auditorium, you included, stand. If you're in that room, just stand right now. It's an important moment. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. If you need this, please stand. Okay, everybody standing that wants to, I just want to make sure. Now, We're going to do what what the Bible just said. We're going to have others put a hand on your shoulder, representing that it's not just you and God. It's others who will help you. So if you have someone standing nearby, put a hand on their shoulder, please, in front of you, behind you. Look around. You say, well, I don't do that. Well, today you do because we're family. Put a hand on somebody. And just agree with Vance as we pray for healing for whatever needed is. Vance, lead us.
1: Thank you. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you be present in the lives today of all of us who are suffering. Whoever needs comfort, healing, and hope, meet us here today. Father, we trust in your unfailing love, and we are grateful for you carrying us through our trials, and we praise you for the blessings you have prepared for us in our futures. Father, we love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.